Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Thursday evening or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin the Language Nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily on medium.com where I do some weekly blog posts every single Sunday and occasionally whenever I feel like posting on Musical.ly and Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazarin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T-A-Z or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. A couple of small notes before we really jump into today's podcast. Um, first of all, I want to talk about my medium.com blog because I realize that I've never really told you what happens there, but it's probably the most useful, like the, the, it's the, probably the piece of content that is the most useful thing for everyone that, um, that follows me, whether on Instagram or whatever on medium, the weekly blog post I do, it's essentially all of my content that I posted in the week in one place. Cause guys, I post a lot. I literally post, you know, anywhere between one to four times a day on Instagram. I post like one to four times a day on Facebook. I post a daily podcast. There's like probably about three, four YouTube videos a week. Like, holy moly, it is impossible to keep up with everything I do. It's just not, unless your life is following my stuff, which please make sure your life is not following my my stuff. That is very creepy and that's a little bit odd. Make sure you have a life outside of what I post. (laughs) But, you know, on more of a serious note, I post a lot. And on the medium, basically what I do, it's a simple blog post. I literally just like go through and I group it, go, here's all the podcasts. Here's all the Instagram posts. Here's all the Facebook posts. And literally in like four minutes, you can scroll through everything, skim it, see what see what you missed. See like, oh, wow, Azrin talked about X. That's pretty cool. And you can pick and choose kind of based on what you see in the blog post. You can be like, oh, wow, Azrin made a YouTube video about, I don't know, about um, the best tips for beginner French people. Wow, I should definitely watch that because I am a beginner French person. And you could basically use this as like a directory to pick and choose like out of all the content I made, what applies to you and what do you want to make sure you engage with? It's probably the most useful thing you could do to like help yourselves with your language learning journey. And so if you're not following it again, that's just it's medium.com like M-E-D-M-E-D-I-U-M.com slash the at sign polyglot azarin so p-o-l-y-g-l-o-t-a-z-r-e-n um it is also a medium application you can get as well so just a really really good place to be following me if you ever want me to just like send you that link like send you the links on a weekly basis to that or like if that would be something that's useful for you i'm happy to like happy to do it just fire me a message on like facebook or instagram and i'll make sure i fire i make sure i'll keep in the loop about when i post those those uh those blog posts um, what else here is new? I think this is, I guess, more of a personal thing, but I've hurt my knee. Not seriously hurt my knee, but I've hurt my knee. Uh, I've been running a lot, which I think I've told you. And I think what I realized is that I don't stretch enough after I run. And um, I can feel like my knee kind of twinging a little bit. So I've stopped the running temporarily. And I'm just doing some different things to work on my knee. It's not like seriously hurt. It's just twinging. But 
you know, every any sign your body gives you that something's not working, you have to take it right away, otherwise you injure it. So just taking care of that, that knee right now. Um, and it actually weirdly uh, impacted my gardening today. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at that, but um, I hate gardening. I hate yard work. I hate all that kind of stuff. And I was like, it just made the whole process of gardening, which is something I hate, but I had to do today. The whole process of that yard work, which sucks already, even more awful. So I was like mowing the lawn and like, ow, my knee hurts. Ugh, this sucks. Screw the lawn. Grass, just cut yourself. God damn it. Like, oh my goodness, why do I have to rake? Ugh, why do I have to put grass seed in the grass? Yo, grass, just grow by yourself. Oh, my knee, what's... It was just such an awful, painful, like emotionally painful process, but physically a little bit painful as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else I want to share non-language related? Um, I don't think so. I think we'll we'll keep the non-language updates there. And uh, let's just jump right into our language learning topic, which is a couple of different things. First of all, um, I want to talk about I want to talk about thinking in a different language. One of the things that uh, a lot of people do when they're learning a new language is they translate. They translate from one language, their mother tongue or their first language into the target language. So for example, if you're learning Korean um, and you speak Spanish as your first language, you might have to translate from, you might feel like you need to translate from Spanish into Korean to communicate the things that you want to communicate. And I want to just encourage you guys to practice, um, practice just thinking directly in your target language. So instead of thinking, my name is Azrin, okay, my in Spanish is me. Okay, name is nombre. Is, is, es. Okay, mi nombre es Azrin. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you might have to do that in the beginning when something is brand new, but I highly encourage you to, like, almost just force yourself in a way as much as possible to think in your target language. This is going to help you in a few ways. Number one, it's going to help you, it'll help you speak a heck of a lot more automatically. Um, for example, um, if you are going directly, if you are speaking and you are communicating and you're going directly into your target language and not translating, it just reduces the thinking time and the processing time, especially on the listening comprehension front. That's really where it matters on the listening comprehension, especially if there's like two, three, four people speaking. You don't really have time to do a lot of mental translation. You just don't. You have to be able to hear it and comprehend it immediately, almost at an emotional level, and not, oh, he said, me nombre es Azrin. Me, okay, my name is, oh, my name is Azrin. By the time you've done that translation, the whole conversation's moved on to something completely different, right? So it's just something that's really, really important. And what it also allows you to do is it, and this is a new concept for me, this is something I've only really been thinking about recently, but it allows you to almost be artistic with the way that you speak. Because one of the things that we do in our mother tongues, in our first language, in the language that we are best at, is we, we, we actually create our own, we have our own way of speaking. I think the technical term for it is idiolect, I think it is, but I might be wrong on that. Feel free to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or something to correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it's called an idiolect, where everyone, yes, you have a dialect, which is how you speak based on your region, based on where you live in that language. But you have, you have certain idiosyncrasies. You have certain things that you do when you're speaking that maybe only you do, right? Or maybe you have certain expressions that you use, but 
maybe it's not necessarily something all your friends use. Like, we all have those types of things. And we all have different cadences and different styles of speaking, right? And I almost think when you're learning another language, you know, you almost go through different phases. I feel like phase one is like where you're like, okay, I just need to understand how do I say my name is? Teach me the words. Let me use translation as a tool to comprehend the words, the vocabulary to say what I want to say, right? Then after a point, you get to almost phase two where you have almost memorized or you've really internalized, that's a better word, you've internalized a lot of different social scenarios. You've internalized what to do when you meet a new person. You know, unconsciously or consciously, there's about 20 different questions someone might ask you. They're gonna ask you, what's your name? They're gonna ask you what you do for work. They're gonna ask you, and you, you kind of almost have the knee-jerk reaction of how to respond in those scenarios. I know when I talk to people in Spanish or French, they're always, like Spanish for example, they'll always ask, oh, how long have you learned Spanish? always it happens or wow you speak really well and I have the response to that like down I've said it a million times like you're gonna start, you get to this phase two where a lot of day-to-day -day common kind of scenarios you can navigate without much difficulty because you've gone through them so many times right I think like, it's actually funny it, made, it makes me think of something my mom said to me earlier um, my mom's a teacher uh, in uh, elementary school and often they'll get people that come from a different country and they, these kids can speak very, very well with their friends. They can get through lunchtime. They can have friends. They can hang out. They can do all of it because they just kind of figured out how to manage those types of conversations. But anything academic, they really struggle with because they don't know the vocabulary. They haven't figured out the cadences. They haven't figured it out yet. So phase two is almost like that. It's almost like you've memorized whatever. I don't even know a thousand different phrases and you know how to use those phrases and sentences really well without much thinking. Right? That's almost like a phase two, I guess one could even say. And then you almost get to a phase three. And actually going back to phase two, phase two might even be, like I know for myself, sometimes it will be, it might even just be imitating a lot of things that you've heard, imitating reactions that you've seen other people have, which is why I think potentially, and I don't know if this is true, but it pretty well could be a good reason. I think there's a logic behind it. It could be why some people feel like their personality changes in a different language because they've hung out with different people. They're almost imitating or emulating the actions of the people they've hung out with. And they might've hung out with different people in that language than their first language or the third language, fourth language, etc. And so all of a sudden your personality's slightly different because of that influence. You were almost imitating in some ways, some of the people that you've interacted with, the culture of the language that you're speaking or the culture or the behaviors, beliefs, etc., of the people you've hung out with. Does that make sense? So I think that's kind of also ties into phase two. And then you kind of go into phase three where it's kind of like you can almost be artistic with your speech. You kind of, like, what was I saying today in Spanish? I was saying something that actually gave me the idea for this podcast. I wish I remember what it was. I think it was like, um, oh man, I don't remember. But anyway, I was talking and like, I was just kind of speaking and I was, cre I was, it was really like, saying things that native speakers would be like, yeah, that's, that's correct. But it's not necessarily something you'd find in a dictionary. I kind of made up some of my own words. It's like, here's a good example. It's like if someone said googlear in Spanish, right? Googlear means would be to Google, but it's not, I don't think it's technically like a word. I don't think googlear is a thing per se. Or maybe it is, but I'm pretty sure googlear is not an official word. But when you look at how you'd form a word into Spanish, how you form a verb, excuse me, 
often you can form a verb by adding an AR to the end of it. So Google, G-O-O-G-L-E, Googlear. So you can make it into a verb, even though maybe technically in the dictionary and like if you ask like a grammar Nazi, they'd be like, no, 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 that's not correct. But you can do artistic, creative things like that once you really understand how the language kind of kind of works, right? And so that's almost like a phase three. And that's kind of, I almost encourage people early on to try and be playing with language because you can do some pretty, like it's crazy to me. Um, it's crazy to me how much, how many things you could say that are theoretically incorrect, but people will think are correct because of, and this is a really new thought. This one literally came to me today and I've like, I'm still pondering this, but you could say something incorrectly, but because you said it with confidence, because you said it with a certain je ne sais quoi, like a little, like a little, some kind of special quality, no one even notices it was wrong. And they might even think that you said it correctly. The, 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 the one example that comes to mind in English that we say all the time where I live here in Canada, we'll say, oh, there's so many books here or there's so many people here. Oh, wow, there's so many cars. And what the funny thing is, all you guys are listening, I bet you nobody or very few of you caught the mistake I just made. You can't say there is so many cars. You can't say that. You need to say there are so many cars. That's grammatically how it should work. But when I say there's so many cars, because I said there's and I didn't say, oh, wow, there is so many cars in the parking lot. When I say there is so many cars, you're like, what the heck is your problem? No, there are so many cars. But if I say there's, oh, there's so many cars here. You don't even register that I made a mistake. And that's like a practical example of like a grammar rule that we break theoretically, but is acceptable to break if you say it the right way, if you've got the right tone behind it, you gotta say it with confidence. There's a way you've gotta treat it, right? And every language has so many of those examples. And some of them are unique to you. Like some of them are unique to you. Like no one's ever said it before, but you said it and you made it kind of acceptable. It's like a, um, it's like if I said in English, like I'm trying to think, I wish I had a good example, but I have not thought of that many yet, but they exist. I've said, oh, here's a good one for me. Here's one I've said many times and it, it doesn't even get registered. I'll be like, hey, pass me the mug cup, the mug cup. And I'm trying to say like a coffee mug, I'm like, hey, pass me the mug cup. And it doesn't even register that I said something really weird because I said it with so much confidence, right? So I almost want you to have that level of confidence because you can almost hide a lot of your mistakes and it's, it's gonna make your speech sound so much more native, etc. right? Um, even though you might not really be speaking fully like how a native speaker would speech. You really internalize the language and you make it your own. You almost make it like your painting, your piece of art and people look at it and they go, wow, that's a good piece of art. Wow, that, that's amazing. Right. It's not it's more like that. Actually, language is more like that. Language is more like you're trying to make it your own piece of art. It's more like that than it is. Oh, I need to copy that piece of art. I don't know if that analogy made sense. I'll say it again. Learning a language. And this is a great way to finish it off. Learning a language to extreme fluency, to an extremely high level is more about let me paint. I have this red paint or I have these different colors of paint, the paints Re like represent the language. I have these different colors of paint. Let me paint my own cool image. Let me use my creativity. Language is more like that. Language is not exactly, hey, I have all these paints. 
let me try and imitate that amazing Van Gogh painting. Let me try and imitate that amazing piece of art by so-and-so. It's less about that, the latter one, and it's more about the former. It's more about creating your own piece of art, at least if you're trying to get to that extreme fluency. If you're just trying to get to adequate fluency, conversational level, you can just get through scenarios, you're like pretty strong, but not extremely fluent, then yeah, you're probably trying to copy a painting. That's probably more what you're doing. But for the ones that are going for like extreme, super duper fluent, you can't be following that exact model, at least not forever. That was really interesting. Wow, I love that. I don't know if that's gonna, I don't know if that's gonna land with anyone, but that really lands with my brain and lands with me and I'm super duper excited. All right guys, well, thanks for listening. I really appreciate your attention and we will talk later. Bye for now.